0: Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot... This case relates to the activity of an organized criminal gang based in the West Midlands during 2016 and 2017, and in particular to the importation of cocaine and cannabis to the UK from mainland Europe. By way of background, in January 2017, Angarda Sheikona otherwise known as the Gardee, the National Police Service of the Republic of Ireland, made a number of arrests in Dublin, during which a significant quantity of firearms and Class A drugs were recovered in the associated searches of commercial and residential premises. Seized documentation identified a UK-based freight transport company called Ebricks Limited, and the consignee for shipped goods as a company called FAR Logistics, located at Three Modular Court Four Ashes Business Park, Wolverhampton. Inquiries with Ebricks led to the identification of these defendants, who operated from the FAR Logistics, Wolverhampton premises, and other locations in the West Midlands area of England. The investigation by the National Crime Agency, NCA, uncovered that drugs were being imported into the UK from mainland Europe, concealed within items of machinery, and delivered by legitimate transportation and logistics companies. Once at their destination in the UK, the drugs would be removed, and the machinery reloaded with cash, which in turn was carried back to mainland Europe in payment for the drugs.
2: I'm in Ipswich Crown Court where I'm watching the takedown of the mighty Thomas Bomber Kavanagh a man who's been on my radar for decades and on the Garda's wanted list for even longer the QC for the prosecution Real Carmi Jones has perfect English diction and she's describing to the judge Justice Martin Levitt the Crown's case against Kavanagh and his criminal lieutenants Gary Vickery and Daniel Canning I'm sitting in the jury box along with a handful of agency journalists who had been commissioned to report on the sentence hearing of the man who the National Crime Agency will later declare to be the Mafia's number one operative in Ireland and the UK. There's been no jury and no trial, as the three men have all pleaded guilty at an earlier hearing. The charges were conspiring to import Class A and B drugs and money laundering. Canning has also taken a rap for having a weapon a gun that was found in searches related to the investigation. In the dock, behind a glass screen, Bomber is wearing a suit. His square-jawed face is sternly set. To his right is Vickery, and beside him, the nearest to me, is Canning. As Miss Carmi Jones QC continues to detail to the court the evidence the NCA has collected, it's easy to see why they didn't try to fight this case. They've been nabbed, caught, banged to rights. I'm Nicola Tallent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld, in Ireland and across the globe.
1: On the 2nd of October 2017, a consignment was intercepted in Dover within which was found 15 kilograms of cocaine to the wholesale value of £480,000 and street value of 1200000 and 200 kilograms of cannabis to the wholesale value of 1000000 and street value 2000000 The next day, industrial premises linked to the importation were searched And amongst other paraphernalia consistent with the importation of drugs, a Smith & Wesson 357 revolver and two boxes containing a total of 85 rounds of .38 wad cutter ammunition were recovered. The consignment on the 2nd of October 2017 was the only consignment intercepted. However, the NCA investigation did not stop there, continuing with a thorough analysis of a number of different strands of evidence, including documentation and inquiries around the premises and delivery companies used by the conspirators, documentary evidence around the packaging and transportation of drugs and cash, surveillance, GPS tracking devices, and, crucially, communications obtained from mobile devices, used by the co-conspirators to facilitate the importations, including a PGP-encrypted mobile telephone belonging to Canning, led to a further 22 importations, and these defendants been identified. The prosecution case as to the extent of the conspiracies to import cocaine and cannabis relies heavily on inferences to be drawn in respect to the additional 22 importations seized, applied interception to the terminology used by these defendants, and drawn conclusions
2: from them. The feared and revered Thomas Bomber Kavanagh was born and raised in Drimna in Dublin, but he left Ireland almost 30 years ago. In fact, when the Criminal Assets Bureau was set up in 1996, after the brutal murder of journalist Veronica Gearan, he was the very first target. A known drug dealer and with a string of convictions, Bomber was then running a lucrative business along with his cousin Gerard hatchet Kavanagh. They were dealing whatever they could get their hands on and making a pretty penny with it. Hatchet would eventually be shot dead in Marbella in 2014, a hit understood to have been sanctioned by Bomber, his cousin, remember, and organised by Bomber's long-term business partner, Daniel Kinnahan. Bomber married his teenage sweetheart, Joanne Byrne. Her brother, David Byrne, was the one who took a bullet meant for Daniel Kinnahan at the Regency Hotel in February 2016. Burns' murder changed everything and it cemented a blood bond between Kinnahan and Kavanagh, driving them both to acts of violence which would attract the attention of international law enforcement. But that bit of the story will come later. For now, we just need to know that Bomber handed over his house to the Criminal Assets Bureau and left Ireland, apparently penniless, for a new life in the UK. He settled in Birmingham, where he set up a second-hand car business, TK Motors. That was 20 years ago, though, and a lot has happened since.
1: The defendants here today. Gary Vickery is 39 years old, date of birth, the 3rd of January, 1983. He has no previous convictions. His address is Solihull. He also owns a property in Spain. Daniel Canning is his brother-in-law. Daniel Canning is 43 years old. Date of birth, 18th of September 1978. He has no previous convictions. His address is Sully Hull. Thomas Kavner is 54 years old. Date of birth, 10th of September 1967. His recorded name on his PNC is Paul Christopher Harvey. Thomas Kavanagh is recorded as an alias name. He has 16 previous convictions dating back to the 25th of April 1985, including convictions in Ireland for burglary, possessing firearms and ammunition without a certificate, and assault occasioning actual bodily harm. He has convictions in the UK on the 30th of January 2017 for fraud and intent to defraud the public revenue for which he received a suspended custodial sentence. His most recent conviction in the UK is on the 2nd of September 2019 for possession of a disguised firearm, stun gun discovered during the search of his home address in connection with this prosecution, for which he received a three-year custodial sentence. His address is Tamworth. It is the prosecution case, and it has been accepted by the defendants, that each defendant holds a leading role in the organisation. Thomas Cavanaugh sits at the head of the organisation, with Gary Vickery immediately beneath him, and Daniel Canning is a subordinate to Vickery, others known to be involved. Martin Byrne was a business associate of the defendants. The evidence indicates that he was involved in the unloading of drugs and the insertion of cash into machinery used for transportation. A DNA sample from the extractor rod of the firearm, which is the subject of count four, produced a match to Martin Byrne. He occupied a position on a similar level to Canning, but Byrne is deceased, having died on the 5th of August, 2018, of lung cancer. Emanuel Rosenzweig, also known as Nikolai Wall, is a German national. Rosenzweig-Wall played a key role in facilitating the importations from mainland Europe. It is notable that Kavanaugh had contact with Wall during the indictment period of the 24th of June 2017. The German authorities have indicated that they are conducting their own investigations into Mr. Wall, and he is currently in custody in Germany. Zed is a Polish national and associate of the defendants. During the indictment period, he owned an industrial unit in Barcelona, Spain, which was used in the operation and was the individual who initially received 10 GPS trackers in August 2017, purchased in Poland and used by the defendant to track the movement of deliveries. His current whereabouts are unknown.
2: I wondered what had happened to Zed. Was he still out there floating around the criminal underworld? Had he been the fall guy for the bust? In gangland, there's always a fall guy. There's always someone who takes the blame. Bomber Kavanagh had never been slow to point the finger at anyone who disobeyed him or anyone deemed disloyal. Over the years, he turned on friend and foe in equal measures of violence and cruelty. The fear he instilled in others was his greatest power and Bommer had finally tuned his theatre of terror. Standing at over six foot, he rarely smiled. Those who worked with him knew to speak only when addressed. They were always on their guard against the ferocious temper that welled inside him. When the powerful fists came, they showed no mercy and only the dumbest would try to intervene. Humiliation was generously doled out with underlings ordered to do menial jobs on the grounds of his stately Tamworth mansion while a trip to A&E waited those who stepped out of line. He'd an arsenal of weapons and was never slow to use them. And he wasn't just a mob boss. He was a godfather, feared and revered by an army of men who wanted a place in his family. No one ever challenged his position. All were happy to serve. For Bomber, understanding fear was as important as knowing the cost of a kilo of cocaine. He took fear seriously and even studied the psychology behind the feeling. He liked to pass his knowledge down the lines so his underlings could hold their own. During his coaching sessions, he would describe the states of fear of human beings and how to reach them. A thin line existed, he explained, between controlling someone and making them so frightened that they became paralysed and useless. Threats, torture and beatings were all used to exert power and control. Everyone should know their place. Bomber had a clear structure under him in Ireland and the UK, with each lieutenant having a detailed role and responsibility for logistics, weapons, drug trafficking or enforcement. Failures in any areas resulted in severe punishments and... He had chauffeurs, minders and even outriders and spotters to protect him as he moved about. Everyone within his ranks was controlled with violence. Even the more mature lieutenants, including former car dealer Lee Cullen and the notorious Graham the Whig Whelan, who were regularly beaten for digressions. Cullen was so savagely beaten a number of times, once with a wheel brace, that he was admitted to hospital with his injuries. The aforementioned Hatchet Kavanagh, Bomber's cousin, felt that wrath when he was shot dead at Harman's Bar by a masked hitman. The reason for his murder is murky, but it's believed that Daniel Kinnahan convinced Bomber that Hatchet was plotting to kidnap one of his children and hold them for ransom. Honestly, it doesn't make much sense. Hatchet was making a fortune on the Costa, working as a fixer and a debt collector. He wouldn't have needed the money, and besides, kidnapped is just about the highest risk crime anyone can commit. It would have been a crazy thing to do, but still, Bomber believed the tale, and Hatchet got a bullet in the head. Seeing him in the dock was extraordinary after such a long career, at the top of the underworld. He'd narrowly escaped this fate a number of times. In 2019, a former business partner, James Mulvey, another one of his cousins, was jailed during a trial in Birmingham when the details of their multi-million euro business was heard. In court, we heard that Mulvey masterminded the importation of 75 million euro worth of cocaine and cannabis from Holland to Ireland via the UK. But everyone knew the bomber was the real boss and that he had slipped the net. Mulvey had been arrested in Lithuania in 2017 after years on the run. He'd lived in Spain, in Brazil, Holland and Portugal but returned to the UK when his father became ill. He'd been placed under surveillance and during a series of recordings he was overheard discussing the murder of Hatchet with a girlfriend. He told her that when he started out in the drugs game there were four bosses, including Bomber, who he referred to as Glasses. They go to the people you love, he warned her. They kill the people you love. The defendants used the names
1: of three companies as cover for the operation. FAR Logistics at Unit 3 Modular Court, Wolverhampton. MD Distribution, registered also at Unit 3 Modular Court, Wolverhampton or W.D. Development at Unit 16, Red Mill Trading Estate, Wensbury. Companies' house searches show no evidence of legitimate trading businesses under the names of any of these companies at the respective addresses. Far Logistics is a registered company, but its managing director has confirmed that it would, has never operated from Unit 3. And although there were signs outside Unit 3 for MD distribution, there is no such registered business at the address. Ebricks UK Limited, already mentioned, is a legitimate transportation and logistics company based in Staffordshire. Ebricks was contracted by FAR Logistics, MB Distribution and ORWD Development to deliver a number of loads from mainland Europe, to Unit 3 and Unit 16 between November 2016 and October 2017. For each consignment, the concierge details were Immanuel Rosenzweig at an address in Romania. All of these consignments were palletized goods, described as machine parts of different weights. The goods would be unloaded and checked off the manifest when the lorries arrived, and the consignees would then be contacted and advised that the consignments were ready for collection. One of the contact numbers that Ebricks had was for Martin Byrne. Ebricks subcontracted the transportation of the deliveries from mainland Europe to a German company called Ziegler, which made regular deliveries to Ebricks twice a week, using lorries, travelling through Germany to the Ebricks UK warehouse in Burntwood. Rosenzweig had been a customer of Ziegler since 2014. The last transport operation for Emanuel Rosenzweig was on Friday the 29th of September 2017. He rang Ziegler on Monday the 2nd of October 2017 for an update on his delivery and Ziegler's contractor informed him that the delivery had been stopped by border authorities in Dover. Rosenzweig had not responded to any calls from Ziegler since that date, although he owes them payments. Customer records for emmanuel Rosenzweig showed multiple separate consignments of various machinery from GOBO Logistics, a Belgium-based company, which Rosenzweig had used for warehousing services since 2013. A number of the consignments originated with G.O.B.O. from where they were delivered by Ziegler on the instruction of Rosenzweig. In short, the transportation of the drugs across mainland Europe, which were destined for Unit 3 and Unit 16, were largely managed by Rosenzweig. As indicated, Emmanuel Rosenzweig is an alias for Nikolai Wall. Kavanagh had significant contact with Wall during the indictment period, as will be addressed in further detail.
2: I listened intently to the details of the operation. The transport of the drugs across Europe was a slick machine. They used a mix of legitimate and shadow companies, with the former having no clue that they were delivering anything other than ordinary machine parts. It was the same type of operation that had seen Mulvey and others jailed before, but with new people in the old roles how the group
0: operated, that carousel process that they employed with um, uh, machinery or or other pieces of equipment, which they were just moving out of the UK, um, almost like a Trojan horse kind of system. So, you know, these these bits of machinery would go out through various different locations.
2: I spoke to a number of the NCA officers directly involved in the investigation that had finally brought Bomber and his gang to justice. For security reasons, they cannot be identified.
0: And, and there was a mixture of um, legitimate hauliers um, and uh, freight forwarding uh, locations and companies that were used, that were completely innocent to the criminal activity at play. Um, but at key points in the the movement of some of that machinery, criminal associates uh, uh, on mainland in, in mainland Europe would be then employed to pick up the machinery, move it from, um, you know, a safe location to, there were a number of uh, logistic locations, you know, in Belgium and and other countries, Um, but we assessed that there was then movement of those items to Spain and to the Netherlands where um, some of the criminal commodity that was then brought back to mainland um, UK were uh, put into those um, items of machinery. They would then be moved back to uh, the unsuspecting um, freight forwarding company uh, and then a legitimate haulier would be sent to pick it up, return it to the units uh, where it would be um, taken out of the, the machinery and then and, and then moved through that, that criminal fraternity and that network that they had in the Midlands, both within the UK and um, you know our assessment was that there was also going to be further shipments of that commodity or those items in, into Ireland. Uh, albeit that they were never intercepted on that route into Ireland. However, that's what we um, assess from our investigation was taking place.
2: I glanced across the courtroom to a cluster of seats dedicated to a small group of relatives. In one was Joanne Byrne, Bomber's wife, flanked by two of their sons. Beside her was Nicola Connor, the wife of Gary Vickery, who'd just returned from Lanzarote. I had recently detailed their luxury villa and boat hire business, which included a Sunseeker Quantum, the boat made famous by James Bond. And she wasn't too pleased to see me. Both of these women had lived a life of luxury in huge houses and private holiday villas. Joanne had married Bomber when he was just starting out in the drugs game, but she'd come up in the world since. I'd visited their huge gated mansion in Tamworth back in 2015 and I'd watched the couple come and go in his and hers Range Rovers. I'd seen the gardeners and the cleaning staff. Holidays were spent in Mexico, Dubai and in their summer home in Mallorca where they partied every August with associates from the criminal underworld. Joanne had spent her 40th birthday in Vegas with a huge group of girl pals all expenses paid, courtesy of her adoring husband. Nicola Connor was originally from Dublin, but had lived in Shirley in the West Midlands with Vickery. After his initial arrest, the pair had moved full-time to Lanzarote, where they'd pitched up in a vast villa, complete with a private pool, a BMW X5 and a Range Rover. They'd registered a holiday rental company and advertised pleasure yachts for hire on social media. They were regulars around Porto Calero, the harbour area where he claimed he'd made his fortune importing second-hand cars into Ireland. As the details of the NCA's Operation Hornstay were given to the court Joanne and Nicola listened intently. Even if their partners had actually convinced them that they'd made millions flogging second-hand cars they could no longer be under any illusion about where the money had really come from. Now they knew exactly what had feathered their nests.
0: You know, there was a delay for us eventually getting to Thomas Kavanagh. But at an early stage, we knew that he was sitting behind some of this activity that we were looking at with um, Canning, Byrne, and and Vickery. we delayed some of our activity around the, the wider group to take forward this uh, into a you know, a, um, a judicial in, you know space really before we charged people until we got all our evidence. We would exhausted absolutely everything that we could to make sure that if there was a chance that we could include Thomas Kavanaugh within this conspiracy, um, that we did that. That was a real challenge. It's all very well, um, intelligence-wise, being able to say, "Yeah, Thomas Kavanaugh's this person, and this is his phone, and he's the gaffer," but it's a whole nother ball game being able to demonstrate that evidentially um, to a criminal standard, you know, to beyond all reasonable doubt, you know, to be able to get to the point where you can put forward that evidence in a format which he reads. And his and his um, legal team read, and and uh, it compels him to plead plead guilty.
2: You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from SundayWorld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. If you like the podcast and love true crime, why not download the SundayWorld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.